a little more of the same, a little more of different, um, some ups, some downs, but all in all, we got four wins in a row, so who are we to complain? Um, welcome back to the Town Tailgate Podcast. I am Chris Madrigal. I am Julio Reynoso. We still have baseball. We still have it's, baseball. As of so. Wednesday, August 5th, we still have baseball, so we bless the baseball gods. Yeah, and you know what? And uh, we got some wins out of it, but um, national news has got a little crazy, so um, Julio, we got a lot to talk about today, so let's just jump right into it, huh? Let's do it. All right, so we'll start with news around the league like we always do. Um, first piece of uh, the news around the league is, of course, um, a few players have opted out of the season a couple games in. Lorenzo Cain opted out a few days ago, and Johannes Cespedes um, about a day after that. Um, I haven't done too much research on Lorenzo Cain's reason. I think it was uh, was it similar to just too many cases around the league, and he was getting a little um, a little worried. No, I think he just saw that. <laughs> I think he just saw that Kristen Yelich is like batting below 100, and he's like, "Yeah, the season's on it. I'm dipping yeah. out." <laughs> so the Brewers are just um, shit, and he was just like, "Fuck this." Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna sit out. Um, no, they're <laughs> no, no, they haven't really said any reasoning, and honestly, I don't think we deserve to hear why somebody's doing it. No, if they want to opt out, go for it. No, I'm not holding against. I'm just curious. I mean, Lorenzo Cain's always been like kind of a quiet, reserved guy in terms of personal life like on the field he's always he's got his big grin his best smile in the league by the way um but uh yeah he's always just been kind of like quiet and reserved guy all about business so i, I get it Johannes Cespedes, on the other hand i was reading about this jeff passon wrote an article on espn.com um he quoted it as he was just over it um that was the best way that he could explain it so Jonas Cespedes signed a four-year, $80 million contract um, four years ago. He's in the last year of his deal with the Mets, so he's a free agent in this offseason. Um, this was going to be kind of like an important year for him to uh, potentially sign another big deal. He is an extremely talented player, as all A's fans know, because he played for us for four seasons as well. Um, he, Yeah, I, I think so. It, this came about a day after the um, – St. Louis Cardinals situation, I believe, um, came out, or it might have might have been after a couple days after the Marlins. I believe it was the Cardinals, but um, basically, in terms of his role with the team, that was a part of it. Um, the COVID cases going on around the league, um, kind of having to his team not exactly playing. I mean, I think they're still in the running for this big playoff turn but his team not exactly playing well it's just like it was a combination of things where he felt like according to Jeff Passan that going through all this bullshit having no social life um was it really worth it this season and it for in his opinion it was no so he texted the team um the general manager that he was opting on the season he was done um and when the front office and coaching staff went to his room to go talk to him about it and check on him. All of his stuff was gone, and he had left already and probably went back to his Florida home. Um, and, he, yeah, again, he told Jeff Passan he, he was just over it. Simple as that. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm not surprised by this behavior, Julio. I, I mean, we know no, him pretty well. He played for us for a long time. I'm not surprised by this behavior. I'm also not upset with it because I kind of see where he's coming from. 
Yeah, we're uh, we're, we're used to the flair of dramatics from him. The even weird part was that the Mets more or less put out like a missing persons tweet. Yeah. When, like we can't like which was terrifying because when we saw that news Sunday morning Sunday afternoon we're like, oh shit he he might be like in danger, and then yeah. eventually they went back and said he's he's in in fine shape he's not hurt the interesting part too was the Mets GM was actually his former agent so why do you not have that connection to your player where you could be like have some sort of relationship and there's probably is a reason why he's his former agent besides the GM job uh, but he's been had injury issues the times he did get up to the plate this year he looked good not necessarily back in what he could be shaped, but just maybe the smart thing to play, especially if this following each season, if we're going to have DH as a international or as an, an all MLB thing, that opens up some more jobs for him. We know what he can do at the field, but sometimes his body just can't hold up for him. I would personally love it if he could come back. <laughs> I've been dreaming about that day for six years as one of my favorite A's ever, but we'll see. It's, it's also a very Mets thing to happen to have a player just dip out on you like this with little to no explanation until like a day later. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I, and uh, another thing that Paston said that I forgot, he, you know, the nagging injury and having to deal with it, um, also he just felt like wasn't worth it, whereas he could um, com- completely heal if he just didn't play and uh, try to move on. I mean, I, I don't... Even with the DH opening up in the NL, I don't see him getting a massive contract. Maybe, like, a one-year, like, a one-prove-yourself deal, probably. But, but I mean, he'll he'll definitely play in Major League Baseball again. Um, yeah, there's too much talent there. Oh, um, okay. And then... Um, so, the, the, nec- the next piece of news was um, Cardinals had six players test positive for COVID-19, as well as seven staff members. Um, those six players, among them, Yadier Molina and uh, Paul DeYoung. Um, other players were Edmund Sosa, Rangel Ravello, uh, Junior Fernandez, and Cody Whitley. Um, there is a rumor going around that they went to a casino, which is um, potentially a reason how they tested positive. It's not quite the uh, 21 uh, members of the Marlins organization, uh, 18 of them players, but um, still pretty irresponsible and stupid, in my opinion. And again, I don't want to tell someone how to live their life. I understand that we all want to do our own things. Trust me, I've been a victim of that as well. Um, But like, (laughs) come on, man. You're playing baseball. You got to just, it's 60 days. You gotta, you gotta just suck it up and and and, and be responsible. Cause not only are you risking yourself, you're risking your teammates and and you getting in contact with them. And you don't know what your teammates are going through. They could have a family member who's high risk or something like that. I just, you know, it, this is, in my opinion, this is unacceptable behavior. This, that's just my personal opinion. My hope after the whole Marlin situation, where the rumor was that they were at an Atlanta strip club, it's like guys please <laughs> and then with, with the Phillies getting delayed and the reason being for that was I think there was a rumor that some of the Phillies players were hanging out with the Marlins players I hope by 
a week or two from now, that's going to be the last time we'll see an outbreak for the season to the point that Rob Manfred pretty much put his foot down as much hate as we give him and that he deserves saying like, I will stop the season if this continues like this. And he should, because when you hear players doing stuff like this, it's irresponsible. It looks bad on every other team who's taking this so serious and locking themselves up in their hotels when they're at away games to make sure that we can play a season. It's irresponsible. It's stupid. And there should be, and there will be bigger punishments coming out of this if this happens again. Yeah, and and to be fair, um, just on what you said about Manfred, so like, he didn't necessarily threaten the players. It was more just like a productive conversation that he had with Tony, um, uh, Tony Clark, Tony Clark, um, saying like, "Hey, man, like if we want this season to continue, like we gotta we gotta figure this out and we gotta be on top of this." And Tony Clark agreed, and he told all of his players like, "Yo, like tighten it up. This is fucking a joke." So like, and and yeah, again, I agree with you. For all that all that he's done shitty this season, I I don't blame him for for having that type of message because, yeah, this is this is just insane. Like especially like for you fantasy owners out there, I'm I'm getting the fucking shitty end of it right now personally. Absolutely, have, it's great. I have a ton. Of, I know for Julio, I have a ton of Phillies and a ton of Cardinals on my team, and now I'm having to fucking I don't know pull some shit out of my ass and just live off the waiver wire right now. Um, but don't worry, I'm going to get those points back, Julio. It's not like those games are completely over. They're just going to be doubled up sometime. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's just this is just stupid. And then it's just like, it uh, again, it's the endangering your teammates type of thing in their situations. It's just completely selfish of them. And you really got to be thinking about other people. Or just don't do it. Just don't fucking play. If you want to go to the casino, just don't play the season. It's fine. Like, we don't need you. That's the way I feel. Just bet um, with your teammates like Pete Rose. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the other piece of new big news: uh, Mike Soroka tore Mike Soroka tore his. You have uh, to do it. No, you have to do it sad though. You have to do it sad. Mike that song Soroka. is so like fun and happy though. Like in. But in he, this isn't fun and happy. He's tore his Achilles trying to cover first. I know. I know. I'm That's sorry. sad. All right, uh, to Mike Soroka, I apologize, but I just really like your name, so um, I'm celebrating you, not not your injury. Um, so Mike Soroka tore his Achilles. Um, Julio, you know more about that than I do. I didn't do as much research. Yeah, it it it's just like we're pretty familiar with this injury just because of seeing KD in the finals at the last year with the Warriors. It's a freak play. Literally, you just take the wrong step. You that's all that happened. You can tell as soon as he stepped off, you could see the pop in his leg, and that was it. Yeah, he's gonna be out at least a year. We won't see it, which is a bummer because. Yeah. He's the ace of the the Brave staff. He's actually he was opening day starter. He's been great so far into the season, and just like that, he's gone. So the Mets or the Braves have some work to do now. Now you have a rotation that you had Felix who opted out. Who we don't know how impactful is going to be. Julio Teran left in free agency. Mike Fonkowitz. Always don't know how to pronounce his name properly, but I think that was all right this time. A lot of wishy-washy stuff going on there, so we'll see. It's it could hurt them in the future. Hopefully, we wish him a speedy recovery, and he'll come back just as strong next year. Yeah, I would be concerned, especially with the Phillies kind of lurking. They've been playing pretty well this season. Um, so I would be, yeah, I would definitely be concerned for them. But um, if 
I don't know. I mean, maybe the Mets. I don't know. I, their their division's not great, so maybe they'll be all right in the, in the long run. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, their offense def- should be good enough. It, it definitely it definitely affects their there. rotation a, a lot. Because um, when you see him, at, you know, when you're going into a series and you see him in Game One, it's definitely a little a little nerve wracking. Um, okay. And then uh, the last piece um, of national news is this is Julio's boy, Joe Adele, who Julio's kept a close eye on for a few yeah, years, right. just got called up to the Angels. Julio? Yeah. Joe Adele. It's A-D-E-L-L, not like the singer. Uh, he <laughs> has been one of the Angels' top prospects. They've been waiting to pull him up. Baseball perspective actually had him as the number two prospect in all of baseball this year, yep. only behind Wander Franco with the Rays. Mm-hmm. He was the 10th overall pick in the 2017 draft by the Angels. He got drafted out of high school. His dad was actually a former linebacker for the Saints. He was drafted in 92, but he never got to play a game because he had a back injury. Uh, so far in three years in the minors, he's played 224 games. He's just a little below 300 at 298, 35 home runs, 143 RBIs. It's not terrible. Yeah, well, well he, there were some injuries, so he didn't get to play, like, full, complete seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hype is, like, this guy has the five... He's a complete five-tool player. He's got great speed. He's got a huge bat. He's got a good glove. Um, so I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> his, what position his, does he play? What position he's going to be a, a right fielder. So the expectations okay. for the rest of the season with the Angels, if he stays up, is, of course, Trout's going to be in center. He'll be in right. And then in left, you're going to have a, or he'll be on left. And then in right, you'll have a platoon between Brian Goodwin, Brian Goodwin and Justin Upton. Um, That's a good outfield, first, man. At that last night, he legged out a single. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of potential with this guy. Uh, they've been waiting a few years to see him come up. So just another thing to keep an eye out with the Angels. They've already got the bats there. But it doesn't really matter because their rotation still kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So they can score eight runs, but they're going to give up ten. So at the end of the day, fuck the Angels. All right. Um, and then we're going to – a new segment that we're adding to News Around the League, um, the former A Spotlight. Um, so this is going to be targeted at one of my all-time favorite players, um, someone I hold uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, right now, Sonny! is hands down – it's not even close – the best starting pitcher in all of baseball. He is leading all starters in ERA. Well, actually, no, Lance Lynn is technically leading now, but um, that's because he's pitched um, less games than uh, Sonny Gray. Um, at point nine six, uh, he has three wins, tied for most wins in the American League as, or in the in the league as well, behind with uh, Shane Bieber and Garrett Cole. And he is second among strikeouts, 28. Um, and let's see, he's up there in whip, too. Uh, 0.7 whip. Um, he's a badass. We all knew when he left to the Yankees that he was going to thrive. Um, we really hoped he would come back, but he signed a big deal with the Reds this offseason. Very happy for him. Glad that he's having success, and we wish him the best. Again, one of my personal, one of my personal top five A's of all time, just because 
I had the pleasure of being able to watch his absolute gem, his rookie season when he went toe-to-toe with Justin Verlander in Game 2 of 2013 American League Division Series. Um, gave up zero runs, only two hits. Um, it was uh, it was fantastic. And he wasn't even supposed to start that game. He w- he got put in that spot about three days before because Bartolo Colon had an injury, so he couldn't, he couldn't start. So Sonny Gray came in there, and he just fucking lit it up. So, we're happy for him. Ain't that right, Julio? Yeah, actually, shout out to uh, the Reds pitching coach, Derek Johnson. Uh, he's been sensational with the Reds rotation because you look what mm-hmm. he did with Sonny, uh, Trevor Bauer, as well as Luis Castillo. Like, yeah, they've, they've got the pieces there to make a run with that rotation. I think they win the Central, man. They're fucking good. And I know the Cubs are playing really well right now. Uh, but, man, like... I, you look at that roster, and it's dirty. Um, and that rotation mm-hmm. to go along with Big it, time. ugh. I, I don't see anybody else in that division doing well. Like, the Cardinals have really fallen off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look out for the Reds, especially in a 16-game playoff. I think they for sure are in. Or 16-team, sorry. All right, let's go to um, recap now, last week. It's Ace Talk. Yeah, recap last week and slash um, A's news. Um and we will start that off with um, the offense. Started off fucking terrible, um, especially against Again. two awful teams, against the fucking Seattle Mariners. Um, they scored they scored only three runs in the first game against the Seattle Mariners on the 31st. And then on the 1st, they scored, again, only three runs. Luckily, they pulled the win out of that one. And again, on the 2nd, they scored only three runs. But then the offense comes alive for one game, and they score 11 runs on the third final game against Seattle. Last night they scored five runs, um, but it was a brutal five runs. It was seven innings of just fucking pathetic at-bats after pathetic at-bats. And then once again, the uh, Loriano, Canna, and Grossman show um, shows up to the plate and scores um, – all the runs that base pretty much all the runs. <laughs> I think You're it was find the offense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the, the first run was it was a Loriano double last off night. Top, yeah. Yes. Off the top of my head. I can't think about it. Um, and then, Oh no, I'm sorry. Last night was a uh, Matt Chapman home run. Matt Chapman home run was the one run. And then, um, and then Canna came up. Um, he got walked on, which loaded up the bases. And then I think it was Grossman who brought him all home. I, again, I'm, I'm no Piscotti with the walk. Piscotti. Well, Piscotti scored. Oh yeah, duh! The walk-off grand slam. Oh my god! Sorry, guys. Sorry, folks. Yeah, he's um, you're, he's on the East Coast. Wait, wait, did you were you able to watch the game live, or were you asleep by that point? No, I stayed up to watch it. Um, I'm ah. just I'm I'm mixing that game and the game before that. Um, that's right, Piscotti uh, walk-off. Um, but still, I mean, it's still it's it's still been mostly it's still been mostly um, Loriano, Canna, and, and Grossman who are doing doing the heavy lifting of this offense. Um, last night was different. Chapman was two for two. Yeah, it's Piscotti was two for three, but other than that, it's just bad. Yeah, Chapman's um, honestly Chapman's starting his bat starting to wake up a little bit. Uh, he was below the Mendoza line, but I think after last night, he was able to get back himself back above it. Um, but looking at the team as a whole, they are in the as a team they're in the bottom ten of almost every offensive stat. But the good news is they 
are have it in first place. They're seven and four leading up to tonight's game. It's Wednesday, August fifth, and their rotation with pitching as general is top ten within every stat. Yeah, and Montez looks like an ace, man. He's pitching really well. He looks like an ace. Mike Fires had a really good quality classic Mike Fires start um, this past week, and Chris Bassett is two starts and and just been absolutely phenomenal. He just hasn't had much run support. Um, yeah, and even we, we've talked a lot over this last or the last episode as well. Just the bullpen. The bullpen is still being great. Um, the only real blemish was this the game that Jordan Weems had the other day on Saturday where he came in and. And then right after he got hurt, but besides that, bullpen's been excellent. Yeah, and Yusmero Petit gave up a home run a couple of days ago, but they were already up three to one or something like that. So it yeah wasn't too. They're much holding of their damage. end of the bargain. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I you know watching these at bats, the most frustrating thing is just the lack of of like awareness on what's going on at the plate, like. <laughs> They just they, they two like two there there's several pitches that are clearly strikes like fastballs in the zone like not even close on the corners in the zone that they don't even swing at like at least try and foul it off or at least try to get into play or something like that and anything close you know like a full count three two you gotta swing at anything close and they don't they just watch it and they strike out and it's like I don't understand what their approach is at the plate like you in in order to get the pitch that you need you gotta foul the pitches that you don't want off. So you can get deeper and deeper into the at bat and hopefully find your the pitch you're looking for. They're not doing that. They're like hoping that the umpire is going to be on their side and call balls, but they're the, no umpires in any games and then will be are doing that this season. Everybody's calling close close pitches. Yeah. yeah, they're not they're not being patient. That's what it seems like. I did, I didn't get a chance to look at how they're doing on but, the walk category, but yeah, they're they're kind of free swinging at everything. But, it's but, like a little but, bit of Chris Davis has taken over all of them. But Julio, here's the thing, though. They they, they aren't being patient for mo- the most part. And then when they want to be patient, it's like it, it's just it, it's at the wrong time. It's like a full it's like a three two count, uh, a two one count. And, and then now now they're like watching pitches that are close in the zone and hoping that they're going to be called balls like, no, man, you got to swing at these. You got to foul these pitches off. I don't because it, it, yeah. it, it it's just it, their their lack of discipline in 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 their game plan going to their at bats is it's just it's bad. Mark Hanna has been the most patient hitter. He's been great. Like he's mm-hmm. been really sitting on him. He's he's got a lot of walks, um, which is insane. I think I sh- I shared that um, that walk uh, walk to hit ratio with you last night and that OBP and the and the OPS that he's got. I think his OPP is five hundred right now. Mark Hanna's is. It's 500, so half the time this dude, this dude gets walked. It's insane. Yeah, it, we're seeing a lot of, on base. Uh, of the last week of last season and the wild card offense happening right now, and that we know that's not them. So we we gotta adjust. Hopefully, within these next couple series, they can work some things around. Um, somebody that we gotta spotlight a little bit, uh, even though they're nowhere, where nowhere near as where they should be offensively but Chris Davis finally got a home run he did he finally got his home run I loved watching like the bullpen and then like all the guys up in the stands like lose their mind when he hit his home run it's great oh speaking of all the players losing that was a really fun game on Monday against Seattle when it was the blowout game when we had a 
Sean Maniah making all the signs for everybody. Yeah. Man, ch- man oh, chat. Great. And what was the oh, what was the Mark Canna one? <sighs> well, my favorite was when uh, when Marcus Samian came up to bat and and he couldn't find uh, his signs quick enough. Uh, Manaya. So and he's like going through him for two at bats. Like, oh shit! And then uh, someone says something to him. You could tell him he kind of like looks back. Like, I can't find it. I can't find it. So he just grabs the Go A's one real quick so that he can have one. Just have a sign up. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm I, I'm hoping, and it's it's fun that like that game happened and then the offense exploded. It's like I think they just need to mell a lot a little bit. I'm sure they're all probably really hard on themselves. And when you have Shamanaya doing dumb shit like that, who that guy is probably harder on himself than anybody is just because he hasn't been as successful as he should be as a pitcher mm-hmm. so far in the season. Um, when you loosen up, you start having fun. We all know this. You start playing better. Yeah. And hopefully after that, we'll start seeing some things happening. That's why I love guys like um, Shamanaya. So back to Mark Hanna real quick because I have his stats up. So he's his average is 286, yeah. which is pretty good, obviously. His OPP is exactly yep. 500, so half the time he has an at-bat, he gets on pace. It's insane. Um, and his OPS is 964. Yeah, he's got incredible plate discipline this year, and um, he needs to teach the other guys something because this is, this is pretty bad. Yes, um, we can Yes, we can Yeah, Chris Davis' home run was a lot of fun. Um, and so, and uh, specifically just going through the schedule – so the listeners know if they haven't tuned in, they so they lost to the Mariners on Friday, but then they um, put together four in a row. They beat the Mariners Saturday three to two, um, beat them again on Sunday three to two, beat them on Monday the uh, inf- infamous game that we were talking about, the eleven to one game, and then last night walk off grand slam from Stephen Piscotty five to one against the Rangers. Tonight they play the Rangers as well. Sean Mania starting that game starts in right now um, our time, but uh, this that game will be done by the time this podcast goes up. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. Shamanaya, another no hitter. Insane that two <laughs> years in a row he threw, or he threw in a second career no hitter. Wow, really impressive. Uh, you just jinxed it. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, and again, I want to. I really want to emphasize Mike Fires and Chris Bassett really come into their own. Two veteran pitchers taking control of the rotation. Um, not that the Absolutely. other, not that the two young guys, um, or I guess one right now, Lazardo is pitching bad, but. Um, you know they're doing exactly what they need to do, which is kind of grounding the rotation, which is, which is great. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, well, quickly we have a fact check shot. So last week, um, yeah. Julio said that the Texas Rangers series was going to be in Texas, and he was talking shit about the ballpark. That is not correct. They are playing in Oakland right now. They are at the Coliseum. Um, can you explain that, Julio? Were you just excited to talk about the stadium? Is that what happened? So, I thought because they were going into Seattle that we were going right into a road trip because we've had two straight series. That, oh, my God, it's road trip time because we're going to Seattle. Uh, little did I know. <laughs> I thought for sure it was there. But, you know what? This is only our third episode. Uh, nobody's perfect. Hobity's nerfed, so. and and this is why we. Hey, take but shots. Chris Davis did hit a home run. He did, so. but we still have to take a shot for this. So I have a little thing of fireball here, so I'm gonna take that shot. Uh, Julio, I guess you yeah, can I'm just. I'm having a. I'm having a little Laguanitas super just, cluster. Yeah, you just take a long swing. Shout of out that. to Mondo. All right. Yeah. All right. Nobody's. 
Pobody's nerfic. But speaking of kind of talking about the past week, let's talk about our essential tools. Yeah. My guy, last week, I emphasized Sean Murphy. Uh, I was like, his bat wasn't there. I didn't really talk about it too much, about how important the bat needed to be there. But he did his bargain with the second go around the rotation. Every guy looked much better than their first start. Mike Fires had his the first quality start in the rotation. Um, Shamanaya, he's Shamanaya is having this weird thing where his first go around through the lineup, he looks great, and then the second time is when he gets tagged up. And then we've talked a lot about Frankie Montas and uh, Chris Bassett. And of course, last night Lazardo start. Lazardo was excellent through five innings. I think a lot of familiarity of having to catch for him through all those times the minors really showed. Don't go so, too deep into Lazardo because we have to preview him for the next segment. But yeah. Of course, of course, of course. But, um, yeah, he I think he held up to his end of the bargain in terms of the backstop, call, like just calling the game. So, good job. How about you, Chris? How do you feel about Sean Manayo? Uh, so, he did um, the opposite of what I wanted him to do, but he did, <laughs> <laughs> but he did exactly what – I said was going to be important in terms of his role for this team. And if he was going to continue to struggle, we are going to have an issue because in about a week, um, actually probably less than that, um, probably about five days, um, one of our young studs, Mr. AJ Puck, is going to be available to come into this rotation and he ain't taking Chris Bassett's spot. I'm telling you that right now. Based on what I've seen from Manaya, it's probably going to be his spot. Um, You're right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So, I mean, so he pitched four in, four in, a, th- in a third innings, gave up six hits on five – five runs on six hits. Excuse me. Three of them he earned, only four strikeouts. His ERA is seven at this point. Mm. It's just, uh, you know – I, I think it it's got to be something to do with, you know, the, the groove that he was kind of in at the end of the season last year when he came back. He kind of really put together a good plan for his lack of velocity in terms of making it, mixing up his pitches in the right spots and, and hitting his spots and being accurate with his pitches. And, um, you know, when you're throwing an 89 miles per hour fastball, you have to be that way. Um Bartolo Colon is a great example of that. I think his fastball was like 88 miles per hour when he's in his 40s, but he won 18 games back in 2013 because Holy he could he could throw like 30 straight strikes, like you know, and he can he had movement on his fastball, and you know, whatever was working for the end of the season last year for Manaya, it's not working now. So I think he really needs to get out of this pressure role that he's in with starting pitching, especially in a 60-game season, and move to a role that is more his speed for where he's at right now. I'm not – I want – he will be a successful starting pitcher in this league and probably for our rotation for the time, you know, the future to come. But this season we just can't afford to give up an automatic loss every four starts. So my pitch is because he always pitches really well in the first two innings so far, correct, Julio? Yes. My pitch is put him into the bullpen this season as a middle reliever because he does well when he first comes into a game for an inning or two. Put him in that role. Let him get some confidence. 
let him work with Bush, try and put together like a really solid, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, pitching uh, uh, strategy. Um, really try and get get some control on his fastball to utilize everything, every ounce of of velocity he's got on it. And then next season he goes right back in the rotation. He's confident. He's fine. I, and and I, I I don't really think it's too much of a mental thing with him because look at him on the sideline. He's like he's so much fun. He's so relaxed. He's so chill. Like I don't think much gets to him. But it's no, not at all. It, it is a matter of just putting together the game plan. And right now his game plan isn't working. Actually, I love that idea. Right. Because it, we kind of touch up on it. Like he's first go round the road in the lineup. He looks great. He really and I think it'd be we'd really depend on him in that role when Puck and, and Lazardo are going to be starting every five days and we need some backup to these guys, these young guys who are coming off of Tommy John surgeries and shoulder surgeries that we need some guy who's going to eat up some innings for them when their wall is getting hit. Even though Lazardo pitched of what, what was like 70 something, 80 something pitches last yeah, night. Yeah. Only it's 76 pitches. Yeah. It's a, uh, it'd be great, especially when the rotation or when the lineup is going against guys who are throwing 96, 97, like Puck and Lazardo, and then you have Manaya coming in here with an 89 mile per hour fastball. Man, Chris, I think you're you're onto something. Yeah, I dude. I love that idea. And you can't really afford to uh, to take um, to take Bass out of the line or out of the rotation because he's just one, he's playing so well, and two, yes, um, he's an important part of this future. Um, uh, because. Uh, so Mike Fire's contract is up this off season. Um, uh, likelihood, knowing Billy Bean how he works, is that um, he will not re-sign Mike Fires. And um, to his credit, we kind of don't need to. We have a lot of depth at the starting pitcher spot amongst our farm system. And Chris Bassett is locked up until 2023. We got to utilize oh, him shit. for every single ounce of that contract that we can. He is the perfect guy to slide into that rotation spot permanently for the future. Kind of like a good, you know, he's 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 about thirty years old. He's he's a veteran at this point. He's been in the league for four or five years. Slide into that like veteran world that kind of like grounds the entire rotation amongst all these young guys: Montas, Manaya, Puck, Lazardo. Put him in the middle of the rotation. Um, you know what you get out of, every, out of him every week. He's got good stuff. He's always consistent. He never really alters. Sometimes teams get the best of him, but he doesn't like. He's not like Megden, where it's like lights out one game and then gives up eight runs. It's like he's a consistent like give up a couple runs, but you you know what you're gonna get out of him if the offense is behind him. He's gonna thrive off of that. Um, yeah, I think that's the move, man. And you need to keep um, Bassett's confidence up. You need to keep him seasoned and keep him going and um, culture wise in the, in the clubhouse and whatnot and and you don't want to like kind of mess with his role too much. I think Manaya and Manaya is young enough to where he can do that for a couple of years, kind of like what David Price did, and then come back and be yeah. a successful starter. I think that's the move, man. And maybe I really just do. hanging out, hanging out with those bullpen arms, you might learn a thing or two. Absolutely, yeah, Hendricks especially. I mean, that guy completely altered his game. He was throwing like 91 miles an hour three or four years ago. Gets almost kicked kicked out of the league. Goes and works with a pitching coach. Now he's throwing ninety seven, ninety eight. It's insane. 
I love that we're talking about this, and I just peeked my phone. Uh, Manaya already came up a run in the first inning. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Um, so, again, he, he did what I hoped he wouldn't do, but I said that we probably would see him too, <laughs> um, which is unfortunate. Um, sweet. Um, oh, wait. Mark Canna. Um, another one that we talked about last week. Um, played well. But um, and uh, again, we kind of already went over stats, so we don't have to go too deep into it. Um, but he was my other essential tool of the week last week. I kind of gave two. Wait, you picked two? Yeah. What the hell? I know. Um, but um, yeah, we kind of talked about it. We gave up his stats. He's been playing really well. He's been kind of helping ground the offense with Loriano. He's got to keep doing what he's doing. Um, with Chris Davis back, it's going to be a lot better. There's less pressure on him, but he really stepped up to the pressure this past week, and he really he's, he they put him in that five hole, which was great, um, hitting right behind uh, Matt Olson, um, and he excelled. So I'm I'm happy for him. Um, all right, do you want to pick a player of the week? Yeah. All I'm right, lead you, it off here. Yeah, you go first. Uh, I was thinking uh, Canna. And then I actually looked at over the last week at his on-base percentage stuff is still great. Still got the 500 OVP. Uh, but offense, he didn't hit great overall. No. I'm actually going to go with the walk-off king from last night, Stephen Piscotty. Ooh. Uh, yeah, Stephen Piscotty, he's, in the last week, he's had 19 at-bats. He's batting 368 during that week. Yeah. His bat is coming alive, so... And this is something that we've wanted for a long time. We've seen what he was able to do in his first season in 2018, where he hit 25 plus home runs. I think he was hitting like 260, 270 range. He was like, yeah, it was great. Yeah, he was fantastic last season. Uh, like injuries, injuries galore. He was hampered by them, and now he's come back full season or whatever this season is, coming back healthy, and he's producing in this first in this last week especially on a team where we'll need production fast when we're seeing guys like Matt Olson and Chris Davis uh, and Ma- and Marcus really kind of suffering a little bit. So to see that coming up and plus that cr- like clutch, all we're going to do now is walk off grand slams. It's the new rule. <laughs> it's, it's great to see, especially somebody that we are, I know I've, I've given him a hard time before, to you in the past, not necessarily on air, but I think we're both huge fans of him. We love seeing guys who are from the East Bay can come up with this team that they rooted for, especially everything that's happened in his personal life. It's awesome to see that he's performing right now, and I hope he can continue it, especially if he's going to be the everyday guy out there. Yeah. Um, so I've, we forgot to mention, though, obviously the 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 real player of the week is Ramon Laureano, but we wanted both of us decided chose not to pick him because yeah, we wanted to go with one that's not so obvious. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, it's like when you're playing the 04 Falcons with Michael Vick and Madden. Like, no, that's yeah. cheating. Don't. <laughs> that's actually a great. We, we'll just we should just we'll see how he continues, but we should just rename the segment "Players of the Week" that aren't Ramon Laureano. Yeah. Yeah. Because he just absolutely killed it. He came up with so many clutch hits when they needed it. Um, he was a big part of that 11-run game. Um, he drove in... Uh, what is it? I have it up right here. Drove in two RBIs that day. He walked. Was uh, two for three. Um, only struck out once. He just... It, it, he was fantastic. Um, what about you? 
So mine is uh, Frankie Montas because he had a absolute bitchin' start um, against Seattle. Yes, he got a lot of run support, 11 runs, but he only gave up one run, only earned one, gave up only four hits, walked four, and nine strikeouts. Um, he just looked like an ace that day. And if he keeps this up, he's going to be in – He's in. I mean, he's already in the conversation for Cy Young, but he's going to be in the conversation at the end of the season if he keeps putting up numbers like this. Um, he had two – quality starts before but they weren't as dominant as this one this one was was just absolutely fantastic and what was really important about that start was he um he pitched um seven innings so he really ate up some innings only one delkin and trevino came in after that so he gave the bullpen some much needed rest especially guys like uh yusmero putit who all he does is pitch um literally has no other hobbies but pitching so that was good for a second, I thought you said Yusmero Poutine. I'm like, that sounds delicious. Poutine? Uh, Poutine? Tang. All right. Um, so we're going to – so per usual, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll jump into our future segment for the week. Um, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Yep, we are back. Sean Maniah just gave up 15 runs. No, he did not, you fucking liar. This is what I get for literally just saying, oh, yeah, he's thrown a no-hitter, and he gave up a run <laughs> the first. <laughs> what, is what is he actually at? I haven't checked my phone in a second. Um, it's it's He only gave up the two hits and one run, but we got to run around first. Okay. Mark All right, so uh, this week's feature segment is going to be called Young Guns, a.k.a. I'll be traded in five years. <laughs> this is a segment where we talk about young and uh, upcoming uh, prospects who either just got called up or have been called up this season. Um, and we just want to talk about them and what we can either potentially see from them or celebrate something that they've done lately and been impressive. So this week's spotlight, we'll start with him. Um, yesterday was um, Jesus Lazardo day. Um, Yes. He, uh, it was actually a holiday amongst A's fans. Um, it was all over Twitter. Everybody, so um, you know, um, acknowledged it. Happy Jesus Lazardo Day! I said it to you, Julio, yesterday. Um, yes, it was beautiful. And he had his first start um, in the major leagues. He had obviously been in relief last at the end of last season, and he in the beginning of this season, he pitched an absolute fucking gem yesterday. He again, he only threw like we said earlier in the podcast. 60 or 76 pitches. Um, I think he was on an innings or pitch restriction. I think that's probably why because he was dominating before he, before he was taken out. But he only gave up two hits. He had five Ks, um, no earned runs. Um, yeah, he just fucking dominated. Um, it was amazing. His first two innings went by like that. It felt like um, his third and fourth inning. He got a few, ooh, excuse me, a few guys on base, so it slowed down a little bit. And I think. In his fourth inning, he was like at like 68 pitches at the end of it. And Julio, you texted me and you were like, when did his pitch count go up so much? I'm like, well, he got a couple guys on. I think that's kind of why. But his first two innings, like I remember watching him be like five minutes later, like, what the fuck? It's over already? Like, how, what? this is insane. He, I don't remember the, I think the last time it may have been this excited for somebody getting called up was probably Sonny. Because yes, we had a lot of expectations of when Sonny got called up all those years ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he looked – there was multiple times where I would just watch the game and I'm like, oh, my God. Where you just get, like, pinpoint 96 
like Ryan, like the into like inside top corner. Yeah. Like perfect. It's breaking. Everything was breaking perfectly. Um, I think the biggest thing that stood out. Yeah. The we talked about the pitch count was a little high, but he just looked like he had so much control for mm-hmm. a guy that was making his first start. And I, I think this is a trend in terms of just how cool he keeps things. If you think about when he was in the wild card game last year, uh, he went like what three four innings and mm-hmm. he completely shut down the Rays after Manaya kind of yeah. shit the bed a little bit um, uh, I yeah it's a, the, the craziest part is like how excited we are for him Matt also just hit a two run home run so sorry I just wanted to throw that in there let's go how excited we are for him <laughs> but we still have Puck hasn't even began to hit his potential yet we haven't seen a full start from him and there's another guy we're going to be talking about a little bit later that we've been talking about for years. Mm-hmm. So excited for that as well. Um, I don't think Puck has had but, a start yet, actually. No, no, not yet. Well, he was yeah. in, the, in the bullpen last year. Yeah. So who knows? And I don't think he's going to be in when he does come back. He probably won't get in the rotation for like at least a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. He'll probably out come out of the bullpen at first. at first, yeah. But everything, oh, it's going to be fun seeing him this weekend going against that Astros lineup who cheated, who... Fuckers. Um, Everybody, their three main guys. I think Jose Altuve has been like 150. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh, I, we didn't get to talk about this. Small tangent. Did you see uh, Dave Stewart a couple nights ago? He was talking about Loriano. He's like, you know, it's just so crazy that they got him from the Astros for nothing. So thanks a lot, you cheaters. Yeah, I did. It was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how Dave Stewart has no filter on A's pre and post game. It's just fucking fantastic. No, it's great. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Sorry, back to Lazardo. He looks like the truth. There's a reason why we've been talking about him for so long. Why he was a top ten prospect in baseball, and last night was a great example of it. Would you say that he? Well, just down low for the um, listeners out there. So Lazardo is a classic fastball cur- or fastball changeup pitcher. Um, he does throw a curve and a slider, but he's just classic climb the ladder fastball changeup, change up the speed, change up the eye level. Um, he does it very yeah. well, um, and he throws he throws his fastball about as much as he throws his changeup. Um, he is 22 years old. Um, he is the first ever um, Major League Baseball player from Peru, born in Peru, which is a pretty cool stat about him. He's uh, been our number one prospect spec for about two years, but he's in the he's been in the top five for about four. Um, he was drafted straight out of high school, so he we've had him in the system for a long time. Um, yeah, and we got him, and if you think about, we got him through the trade for Sean Doolittle, yep, and Ryan Matson, for and a and part of that trade, yeah. a part of that trade was Blake Trinan. So yeah. like, it that trade is that's really been a huge win-win trade for both teams. Absolutely. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, so do you? Just curious, would you say that? Who do you, who would you say is was more talked about when they first came up though? It I mean Sonny Gray is definitely the one who's been talked about as much, but who would you say it was more talked about, Sonny or him? Because I remember they were talking about Sonny for about a year and a half also because he was a he was a first round pick, he was a big deal. I remember when he first came up, he also came into the bullpen and it was like this big story. In his first appearance, it was like man this major story. Everybody in the, like that. I remember that game. It was like his first game that he came up was like a sold-out game at, at the Coliseum. Everybody wanted to see if he was going to come into that first game and shit. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, who would you say it was more? 
Yeah, I just I, I'm trying to think back to that. Was that 2013 when he got called up? Yeah, mid and, middle of 2013. And the A's were already a pretty good team by the point we we just won the ALS the year before. We were pretty much competing with the Tigers for the top of the AL. And we had a pretty um, good grounded rotation at that time. It was mm-hmm. it was Brett Anderson was kind of leading it, and then Bartolo Colon and Jared Parker. Like those guys, all those three guys were playing were pitching really well. Yeah, and uh, it, it, if you think about it too, there are some pretty similar similarities between both of the situations with the rotations itself. You have yeah. kind of the uh, younger guys, uh, well, how would I just the younger vets, I guess, with like mm. Manaya and Montas. Um, you have kind of the journeyman starter and Fires and Cologne, and then you have kind of like the where this guy come from with Bassett and Tommy Malone. Um, it's too hard to say. I think it's too hard to say right now. Yeah. I think because of us being stuck inside and not having much to do, we I feel like the hype for Lazardo was very high. Mm-hmm. And plus, um, but when Sonny came up, yeah, that was a very special summer. And how, especially when you talk about it, him going against one-on-one against Justin Verlander, the playoffs kind of cemented that year for him. I mean, the reason why Sonny was... I, I think it's definitely Lizardo because we've been talking about him for years and he comes up and he's, like, pretty much straight to the rotation. A big reason why, like, Sonny Gray didn't go straight to rotation was because that rotation was so um, established and put together. Um, I think Drew Pomerantz was in that rotation, too. Like, it was guys who were play, pitching well all season and, like, it was like, do we really want to fuck this up? And then um, Jared Parker went down. And that was when Sonny moved from the bullpen into that starting role and kind of took over that spot. Um, yeah, um, it it was great Fun watching fact. last night. I really hoped, and he he's been pitching so well in his reliever appearances all season too. So um, I'm ex- excited for the future. Uh, fun fact: What uh, I saw Jared Parker at Tiki Tom's in Wana Creek one time. Was that when he was like pitching for the A's, or was it like after? Uh, I think uh, he had just had Tommy John, and he had a uh-huh. pitch in like a year, uh-huh. and it's like 2015. And I'm like, it was just this guy, this kind of tallish guy, surrounded by like a bunch of chicks, and I think I knew one of the girls from some reason. Yeah, I think I had like a I went to like college with her, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that girl. I'm like, it's Jared Parker. <laughs> Interesting. All right. All right. Walnut Creek, you, know, with fame, baby. you can you can run into a lot of people like that in Walnut Creek. Um, especially, yeah, especially in Walnut Creek. Yeah. All right, so the next young gun we're going to talk about who will be traded in five years is uh, Sean Murphy. Um, we Everybody, I think, most people in, in A's fans were fans of uh, Josh Fegley. Um, he had been with the team for a long time, about five years of that backup role. He finally got his shot to be the starter last year, and he fucking killed it. Um, got a nice little contract with shit. Who was it? I want to say I want to say it's the Reds, but I I know for a fact that's wrong. Um, like a two year. Like, the Cubs. Cubs. There it was. Um, yeah. So um, but it's because this guy had has been in our system for a while. Everybody knew he was coming. Sean Murphy, um, known to be a defensive catcher. He's supposed to have a pretty pretty decent power with his bat. He's supposed to not be the greatest um, 
uh, average hitter, but um, he's a stud um, on the defense, um, especially his arm. He's probably got the best arm of any catcher prospect that we've had in the system. Um, so far, so good. And he seems to have a really good um, rapport with the pitchers, especially. So this is one thing you talked about last week. Um, uh, watching him, and also this week, watching him and Lizardo's first start and see how they mesh because they went up through the system together. It seemed really well last night. I, I didn't see Lizardo shake him off once. And I was, like, trying to look yeah, for that, it, too. Because, what, they've been playing together for almost at least two years now. Yeah. And he's been catching with Puck as well. So that's kind of a, a huge upside when you have your – your prospect catchers I already caught a lot of these guys coming up in your rotation. Um, his bat hasn't been great, but he's a rookie. That'll come. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. As long as he can get the most out of his starters, then I'm, I'll be a happy camper. Also, he's a catcher. You know, modern day, you don't really expect too much hitting wise from the catchers, but he's been good. Uh, we'll move on you to the person the, you could you tell get one or the other. Yeah, typically you do. Well, unless you're Yachty or Molina, then you get both. Um, yeah, or uh, JT Relamuto, too. Um, all right, well, I can see it on Julio's face. He just really wants to talk about this person. So we'll get into the next one. So uh, Jordan Weems was, uh, had an injury a uh, couple uh, a couple days ago, which is probably why he gave up like three like three or three to five runs, something like that, in that one um, yeah. outing he had a couple days ago. Um so he went on the IL, and James Caprillion is going to come in and replace him in the bullpen. Um, take it away, Julio. James Caprillion. If you haven't heard the name, I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of the guy who could potentially be uh, a stud in this rotation in the future. Uh, he's from Laguna Beach, Southern California. He went to Beckman High School in Irvine. So this is something that I found out super interesting. He actually, his high school is 15 minutes away from El Toro High School in uh, Forest Hill or whatever Orange County City it is. Anyways, home high school of Matt Chapman. Did some research. We haven't found out yet through any beat writers, but there's a pretty good chance he pitched against Chappie in high school. They're only like two years apart. Really cool stuff. He was drafted out of high school to Seattle, bypassed it, and decided to go pitch for UCLA prestigious pitching program as we know with guys like trevor bauer garrett mm-hmm. cole coming to their programs recently he started as a reliever and he was a stud in 34 games he had 53 strikeouts and he moved into the rotation and then in 2015 he actually combined through a combined no hitter it's been the only no hitter in ucla history so great stuff there interesting yeah it's, again with those huge names that's come through it's super impressive that he's done yeah that. yeah definitely he was taken 16th overall by the Yankees in 15. He did some minor league work there until he got Tommy John surgery in, in April of 2017. And then that year, we've talked about this guy a lot. I guess this is the Sonny Gray episode. Uh, he was traded to Oakland along with Dustin Fowler, which I don't know where the hell Dustin Fowler is yeah, right now. Yeah, I have no idea what the <laughs> fuck Dustin Fowler's deal is right now. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that once yeah. we finish run through this because I'm super curious. And then Jorge Mateo, who just got shipped out to the Padres for Sonny Gray. Uh, and it, 2019 was his first full year back in the minor league system after recovering from Tommy John. He was in 19 games. He pitched 16. He started in 16 of those. 
throughout that time, he had a 3.18 ERA, pitching in 68 innings, had 75 strikeouts to 16 walks. So homeboy is a homeboy is a strikeout pitcher. Um, very excited stuff, especially coming into the bullpen. He could be one of these guys when. Uh, Fires does eventually walk who could compete for this other rotation spot along with Chris Brassett and we've heard a lot about Grant Holmes so it's going to be exciting I hope he can stay there in this rotation or in the bullpen when he does get get called up so that was a weird weird transition because for the listeners I uh, I put my finger up in the zoom because I wanted to touch on his minor league stats um, but I think Julio thought that <laughs> that I was telling him to stop. So my bad, Julio. Um, I just wanted to I just wanted to chime in there. Uh, so one thing that I saw really interesting about his minor league stats when I went through at least last year's 2019 season, every single stage that he went up because he went through every single system. He went from single A all the way up to triple. He got better and better each level up, which is like you never see that. So with Stockton, he pitched 11 games. He started 10 was 2-2 two and two with a 4.46 ERA and 43 strikeouts. And then he went up to Midland. This is double-A ball. Played seven games, started five of them, 2-1 and one with a 1.63 ERA and 26 strikeouts. Um, then he goes up to AAA. He only pitches one game, 2.2 ERA with six strikeouts, so he only had one start. But still, like, every level up he did better, which you never see that. So that's pretty impressive. Um... Yeah, I mean, so he is a uh, he's a a little bit of everything pitcher. He doesn't really specialize in one pitch. He throws everything about the same fastball, curveball, changeup, um, slider, um, all about the same. Uh, he's all about just as good as, as all of them. He's twenty six years old. Um, yeah, he's part of the Sandy Gray plus, trade. He was pretty. Uh, he was one of those guys was, who was really hyped up when he was drafted, and then he got his Tommy John. So the Yankees were a little bit worried about him. So they were like. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll throw him in this uh, Sunny Gray trade when really the main piece that the A's were trying to get out of that one was Mateo and Dustin Fowler. And you kind of hit it on the head. Um, Yeah, at one point he was kind of like the bell cow for the Yankees. He was kind of like going to be the next huge guy in this rotation. Yeah. Until he got this Tommy John surgery and they kind of just went to win now mode and decided to trade him. Yeah. it's going to be especially with like how our bullpen already is too where it's weird I've, i'm not used to a, an a's bullpen that has so many strikeout potential guys mm-hmm. with uh with hendrick soria and then uh jp wendell jp wendelkin's got some strikeout stuff lou trevino does mm-hmm. it's interesting like we have another guy like that and if he can actually pitch to what he could then yeah there's a hell of a lot of potential in him very excited hopefully he can we can see him start or see him pitch pretty soon this bullpen so I, I already so it's interesting that you say that he was a reliever in college and he excelled at that because i was already kind of seeing him as before knowing that information which by the way this podcast was the first time i heard that information uh julio did most of the research on caprillion um he i was kind of seeing him just because of how stacked our ro- our our rotation starter guys is as as now right now um with him being locked up for several more years and all the rest of our guys being locked up for more years i, I kind of only saw him as a way to getting on the roster is in, in the bullpen so like to hear that he had success as a reliever 
Um, I think that's his move, at least on our roster. Um, and he could really excel there. And Hendricks is a free agent after this season. Realistically, the A's are not going to be re-signing Liam Hendricks. They're going to do what they always do. They always turn out new talent at the closer position. Billy Bean has never paid a, a relief pitcher, a closer at least. Um, um, he's paid like setup guys, um, but he's never paid for a closer. He, I don't think he values it that much because he always thinks that he can find that value somewhere in his system. Caprillion could be that honest, guy. And honestly, he's kind of been right. If you look at how Absolutely. many guys we've seen walk in free agency and then we bring in the next guy afterwards, go back all the way, Jason Hisringhausen leaves, Billy Koch takes over. Billy Koch leaves, Keith Folk takes over. Exactly. Keith Folk leaves, Houston Street. On and on and on and on. Um he could be he's a potential it could be him Trevino or I'm I'm a big fan of JP Wendelkin yeah um, it could be one of those three guys who's the net who could become the next all-star closer for the A's yeah and like you know maybe they bring back Petit but I think Petit's probably going to retire he's pretty old at this point um um maybe I, I I didn't hope they'd bring him back but I don't think he's the closer to me yeah, I think, yeah. but he's extremely valuable at everything he does yeah um, when he does come in. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you look back on all the closes we had, you know, Andrew Bailey's also in there, uh, Brad Ziegler's in that conversation, Sean Doolittle, Grant Balfour. All those guys, more or less, except for Doolittle and Street, when they moved on, they didn't have much much success. So it's kind of like maybe Billy Bean is right in that aspect. The only, the only closer I think I would have – wanted them to offer a contract as Houston Street just because he was so good for so long after that and he was so good for us at that point you know um but other than that what I mean, do you mean we never would have got Matt Holiday oh god uh, let's not talk about that I would rather still rather have Houston Street for a couple more years and deal with Matt Holiday's fucking bitch ass <laughs> I'm just kidding he didn't like Oakland very much so that's why I have something against him um I mean, yeah. you're, not, you're not wrong. Yeah. We're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> um, he didn't do much for us. Uh, anyway, sorry. James Caprillion. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's I think that's kind of the move for him. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, I know a lot of people have been talking about A.J. Puck. might His future might be in the bullpen because of the way his stuff is. And it's more um, successful in a short-term, um, short-inning, whatever, role. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I like excited, as a starter excited though. So definitely somebody when or our listeners are going to be watching the game. We hope there's some information that'll help you out, where you can kind of keep an eye out when this guy comes in. He's just, he's not just some random Rule Five draft pick they's picked up, or some random guy they traded for to get a Pepsi machine. Uh, this guy could <laughs> be a stud. So yeah, yeah. This uh, this segment is definitely for the listeners who don't pay as close attention to uh, the minor league system as me and Julio do. So, um, yeah, look out for, look out for him for sure. Um, okay. So let's, uh, preview the coming week, Julio. Yeah. All right. So, um, tomorrow, or if you're listening to this, the day it comes out today, Thursday, the sixth, um, last game against the Rangers series. Um, it's a day game, um, a 1240, uh, start time. And then after that, it gets tough. And Mike so, fires through another no-hitter. Oh, God. Crazy, you're going right? to jinx it again, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's going to work. I hope that one day it'll work. <laughs> you're just going to say that every single episode until the for the just remaining existence of this 
of this podcast just to hopefully one Chris day. Chris Davis had three home runs. <laughs> yeah, three home run performance for Chris Davis. Really needed that. Uh, this weekend is going to be a tough one, though. This is the uh, the big uh, series of the season so far. The Astros come to town in a three-game series. Um, Friday night they play Ooh. at 6.10 p.m. Um, Saturday at 1.10 p.m. afternoon game. And then Sunday, another afternoon game at 1.10 p.m. Uh, what can we expect to see out of that series, Julio? Uh, there is a petition or a change.org. Oh, no, I'm sorry. GoFundMe going around that uh, some guy is trying to fly fly a banner over the Coliseum saying the Houston Asterix. Um, <laughs> I 1,000% expect pettiness. That's for sure. Uh, I have a quick quote from Sean Manaya here from Alex Coffey from The Athletic talking about how they're getting a season with no fans for the Astros. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating just the fact that it seems like they're getting by getting by so easily. I think things could have played out differently. I kind of wish they would have. It sucks that you know the situation has happened and you know nothing's really happened to an organization that's ultimately did some crazy stuff. It sucks, but we have to play games and win games. So I think there's stuff that we can look past. But at the same time, we just got to keep on going and put them in the rearview mirror. I love that attitude. Put them in the rearview mirror because guess what? The A's are in first right now. I hope by this series we'll have a good series, a good at least two wins out of the series, have a solid lead in front of them. Um, there's going to be a lot of dramatics, though. I, I think something – we'll see some accidental hit-by-pitches. But who do you think is going to throw them? That's what that's what I want, want to know. So I, I'm trying to think of, of players who would throw at them. Um I don't think Mike Fires has it in him. I don't think Lazardo has it in him. I don't think Montas um, has it in him. I don't think Nia has it in him. Uh, Maybe Bassett. That's funny that you say that. Uh, Sun on Friday the rotation the matchup will be Granky against Bassett. Saturday we got uh, Valdez against Montas, and then Sunday uh, we have a rookie of Javier against uh, Jesus Lazardo. Another interesting thing I actually read about the Astros the other day, they have already used nine rookie pitchers this season. Kind of really? shows you, yeah, it kind of shows you kind of the injury rows that's already going through their rotation. Yeah. And um, honestly, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Keep it coming. Yeah, fuck them. Um, out of the bullpen, uh, just in general for any pitcher on our staff, Liam Hendricks, if he gets in there, he's 100% beaning. Ooh. Jose Jose Altuve. I t- I I'm he, thinking, he's the only pitcher I think would have the balls to do it and just be like and as, after he hits him be like kind of like the Joe Kelly look like let's fucking go let's fucking do this come on yeah you know like actually it's just that Australian not, Australian confidence. <laughs> I'd imagine if we have like a solid lead on them, um, he's just gonna keep bugging Bowmel. He'll find a way to use the bullpen phone to call into Bowmel and being like put me in. Yeah, like, I, I'm 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 in these fuckers. I'm hitting one of them, and I hope he does. It's and just, I know old baseball guys were like, uh, "Vean ball, you shouldn't hit people." Like, no, guys like baseball John did Heyman. A terrible job, Rick. Oh, get out of here, John Heyman. Yeah. Stupid bitmoji guy. Baseball had their opportunity. You could have punished these guys. You let them walk. Yeah, and that's a whole other situation. And then they cheated and acted so cocky about it this whole time. They deserve it. I hate to say it. I don't. I'm not a violent person at all. I'm a pacifist, I guess. But no, screw him. Let him get hit. Jessica Mendoza said this on, I think it was Levitard the other day. She said, like, like, 
though I don't condone throwing at guys, like at the same time, because you did nothing baseball, the players feel like they have to do take it in their own hands because you didn't do your job and do it. So if I was a player, I would probably feel the same way. And I might do the same thing. It, like she, she flat out said it that way. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Th that's probably how people feel. And, and, and on top of that, Rob Manfred's going to go and, and defend them and, and, and punish people like Joe Kelly for taking it in their own hands because he didn't do it. Like, what the fuck do you expect, dude? Like, what do you expect? It's just, it's just sad. Um, it's I, weird. We usually disagree with a lot of Jessica Mendoza, and that's yeah. the one thing I'm like, all right, cool, great job. No, that's I mean she take. said it how how it is. Like, and I can't I can't disagree with that. And I think that's a big reason why I don't like her is because a lot of times she says it the way it is, and I just don't like the way it is. So, so uh, mm -hmm. that's I, I will give her respect in terms of of that with her broadcasting. Um, I think that's going to be just an intense series in general. There's already a rivalry going because of you know the division implications the past three seasons. Um, the A's were the team that tried to um, – that um, first brought this to MLB's attention, and the MLB did nothing about it. So I think that's also on their mind. Um, Jeff Passan famously um, uh, said that without saying it um, uh, in an interview, that they were the first team to um, report it to the MLB, and they – famously did nothing um i think also with mike fires being on the team and being the one who outed them that's also gonna raise a lot of attention or uh, tensions um and then um yeah it's just two good baseball teams too so we'll see um a lot of personalities on both teams also that are that mm. don't that uh speak their mind um shamanaya i could actually see he could see he, i could see him say something but i don't, I don't see him throwing at someone and Which I think it's the point. Anyway, so it's, it doesn't matter. It's pretty well established that like um, uh, these guys don't like each other. No. There's definitely. I think this is definitely a rivalry at this point. It's, I know Chappie's a pretty mellow guy for most mm -hmm. of the part, but yeah, I don't think I think there's huge blood, bad blood with these teams. Yeah. Um, and then so the rest of the week on Monday the tenth, the Angel we go to Anaheim and the Angels. Um, that is a six forty start time. Tuesday, um, 6.40 start time, and then Wednesday is the last game of that series. A 1.10 start time a day game. Um, I think we're going to see more or less the same type of series against the Angels. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Mike Trout's back, that's true. Will. Dad Trout, he's got dad strength now. That's yeah. huge. Um, we didn't see Anthony Rendon in that first series. Is he back? So that's going to – he is back. Okay. He's first – game back with the angels last monday he had a home run so, so probably more competitive that's a good point probably more competitive jo joe adele it's yeah. gonna be his first time against the a's and then it sounds like otani's just gonna be a full-time dh the rest of the season mm -hmm. so um but again i say all this stuff but the angels offense but the rotation's still gonna suck kind yeah of. as long as so if our offense against... if our offense can figure it out we can score runs and i'm not too worried yeah about it. as long as they don't have to really have another funky game like they did against Andrew Heaney in opening day. And as long as they can, I haven't seen how the rotation's going to line up, but if they can avoid Griffin Canning, then yeah, they should easily be able to out hit these guys, but yeah, it's always, it's always a fun series. It's always a good time when they play the angels. Definitely. 
Um, okay, cool. Um, so let's. You want to pick our essential tools of the week, and then we'll call it an episode. Um, yeah. You want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? You go first. You go first. All right. So this week is it's gonna be um, again um, Sean Manaya. And uh, <laughs> the reason why, look, okay, hey, hold on, hold on. The reason why is because, one, he's pitching right now, so I think the start today is going to be very important. So how he bounces back, and and then he's going to have another start um, this coming week as well. Um, so, again, with A.J. Puck looming around the corner, and now James Caprillion, um, what's the word, I'm, lurking in the bullpen, there's a little bit of pressure on Sean Manaya. So he's got to spend his spare time um, looking at scouting reports on hitters um, and less time making signs um, for his for his players while they're batting. Um, so Still keep doing that, though. It's fun. Still keep doing that, but um, focus on your studying first. Um, he's probably going to keep showing up every once in a while in my essential tools of the week in the coming episodes, just because that rotation spot is so important. Again, with 60 games, you can't afford to have a guy go out there and try and um, learn from his mistakes because there's very little room for them. So he's my essential tool of the week for two weeks in a row. But last week I had two, technically. Um, I technically only had one, but I talked about Manaya, so it was kind of two. So technically this is my first time picking him as the essential tool of the week. Technically. Yeah, I'll take it. I think uh, he's and just from looking at what's going on in the game right now, uh, it looks like he's bounced back a little bit after that first inning little rough up. So, and the thing is, we're huge Manaya guys, so we're hope mm-hmm. he can kind of pick it up again and get back to where he could be. Um, my guy, I've we talked about him, hinted at him a little bit earlier today, and I met. We talked about him yesterday in our pre-show stuff, but I think Chris Davis is going to get out of his slump, and I think this is going to be the week he'll do it. Well, Um, he isn't in the lineup today. It's Mark Canna at the DH spot. Well, today is is (laughs) irrelevant because this is still a part of the last week's schedule. Touche. Starting tomorrow. Uh, I think this is when, after seeing him finally getting a home run on Monday – seeing how excited the team was uh, we've known for him over the last four years really in Oakland the dude's a streaky hitter he's mm-hmm. a streaky power hitter and I'm hoping like if this this is the time where it really starts lining up because let's be real the offense really doesn't start clicking out as a whole and really can't get to their full potential unless he's the person that starts it yeah because if he starts hitting and he can actually getting his confidence back and he can start hitting bombs all over the field. That's going to make pitchers be questioned the rest of the lineup so much more. And then you're going to start seeing things open up for, for Ollie and for Chapman and for Marcus, the rest of the team's kind of doing fine right now. But those are the guys like we're still have a winning record. We're still in first place without those guys contributing. And once Chris starts taking off and my prediction is this week is the week he'll do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if all those guys start falling in line with him. Yeah, it'd be nice to have him at that four hole again, being productive, um, have it moving Canada to five, 
instead of having him have to bump up to four and hopefully Chapman get it going. He can move into that two spot again, and it it would just be it just be all, nice all around for sure. I I agree. Um, all right, I think that's gonna do it, Julio. Unless you have any last uh, comments, remarks, concerns. Um, no, that's pretty much it. We got to wrap this up because we've already we've been at this tailgate. We're the game started 50 minutes ago. And we're still tailgating. Now. I know, but we've already established that we're those guys who tailgate like a good 45 minutes after first pitch. So we just All get right. some beers, beers time. in, and have a man talk. Exactly. All right, time to pack up the gear, <laughs> um, take the coals off the grill, uh, pack it in the car, grab your last beer, and we're heading into the game. Thank you for listening. Make hey, don't forget we gotta we make sure to hide your valuables in the trunk. Always, uh, always put them in the trunk. Don't let leave them out in the open because, uh, especially if you parked in the Bart parking lot. Uh, all right, thank you for listening, everybody. That was Town Tailgate Podcast this week. We will be back next week, as always. And um, last but not least, let's go Oakland. Let's go Oakland. See y'all next week. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is executive produced and written by me. Chris Madrigal and Julio Reynoso. It is produced by me. It is sound designed by me. The artwork and graphic design was done by Larry Madrigal, and the opening theme was composed, written, and produced by Larry Madrigal as well. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.